is section seven of fabiola by nicholas patrick cardinal wiseman this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by maria therese part first peace chapter seven poor and rich during the latter part of the conversation just recorded fabius had been quite abstracted speculating upon his conversation with agnes how quietly she had kept her secret to herself but who could this favoured person be who had already won her heart he thought over many but could find no answer the gift of rich jewels particularly perplexed him he knew no young rebel nobleman likely to possess them and sauntering as he did every day into the great shops he was sure to have heard if any such costly order had been given suddenly the bright idea flashed through his mind that fulvius who daily exhibited new and splendid gems brought from abroad could be the only person able to make her such presents he moreover noticed such occasional looks darted towards his cousin by the handsome foreigner as left him no doubt that he was deeply enamoured of her and if agnes did not seem conscious of the admiration this of course was part of her plan once convinced of the important conclusion he determined to favour the wishes of the two and astonish his daughter one day by the sagacity he had displayed but we must leave our nobler guests for more humble scenes and follow Syra from the time that she left her young mistress's apartment when she presented herself to euphrosion the good-natured nurse was shocked at the cruel wound and uttered an exclamation of pity but immediately recognizing it the work of fabiola she was divided between two contending feelings poor thing she said as she went on first washing then closing and dressing the gash it is a dreadful cut what did you do to deserve it how it must have hurt you my poor girl but how wicked you must have been to bring it upon yourself it is a savage wound yet inflicted by the gentlest of creatures you must be faint from loss of blood take this cordial to support you and no doubt she found herself obliged to strike no doubt said Syra, amused it was all my fault i had no business to argue with my mistress argue with her argue oh ye gods who ever heard before of a slave arguing with a noble mistress and such a learned one why copernius himself would be afraid of disputing with her no wonder indeed she was so so agitated as not to know that she was hurting you but this must be concealed it must not be known that you have been so wrong have you no scarf or nice veil that we could throw round the arm as if for ornament all the others i know have plenty given or bought but you never seem to care for these pretty things let us look she went into the maid-slave's dormitory which was within her room opened Sira's capsa or box and after turning over in vain its scanty contents she drew forth from the bottom a square kerchief of richest stuff magnificently embroidered and even adorned with pearls Sira blushed deeply, and entreated not to be obliged to wear this most disproportioned piece of dress, especially as it was a token of better days, long and painfully preserved. But Euphrosian, anxious to hide her mistress's fault, was inexorable, and the rich scarf was gracefully fastened around the wounded arm. This operation performed, Sira proceeded to the little parlour opposite the porter's room, where the higher slaves could see their friends she held in her hand a basket covered with a napkin the moment she entered the door a light step came bounding across the room to meet her it was that of a girl of about sixteen or seventeen dressed in the poorest attire but clean and neat who threw her arms round Sira's neck 
with such a bright countenance and such hearty glee that a bystander would hardly have supposed that her sightless eyes had never communed with the outer world sit down dear cecilia said sarah with a most affectionate tone and leading her to a seat to-day i have brought you a famous feast you will fare sumptuously how so i think i do every day no but to-day my mistress has kindly sent me out a dainty dish from her table and i have brought it here for you how kind of her yet how much kinder of you my sister why have you not partaken of it yourself it was meant for you and not for me why to tell the truth it is a greater treat to me to see you enjoy anything than to enjoy it myself no dear sirrah no it must not be god has wished me to be poor and i must try to do his will i could no more think of eating the food than i could of wearing the dress of the rich so long as i can obtain that of the poor i love to share with you your pimentum which i know is given me in charity by one poor like myself i procure for you the merit of alms deeds you give me the consolation of feeling that i am before god still only a poor blind thing i think you will love me better thus than if feeding on luxurious fare i would rather be with lazarus at the gate than with divas at the table how much better and wiser you are than i my good child it shall be as you wish i will give the dish to my companions and in the meantime here i set before you your usual humble fare thanks thanks dear sister i will await your return sarah went to the maid's apartment and put before her jealous but greedy companions the silver dish as their mistress occasionally showed them this little kindness it did not much surprise them but the poor servant was weak enough to feel ashamed of appearing before her comrades with a rich scarf round her arm she took it off before she entered then not wishing to displease euphrosion replaced it as well as she could with one hand on coming out she was in the court below returning to her blind friend when she saw one of the noble guests of her mistress's table alone and with a mortified look crossing toward the door and she stepped behind a column to avoid any possible and not uncommon rudeness it was fulvius and no sooner did she unseen catch a glimpse of him than she stood for a moment as one nailed to the spot her heart beat against her bosom then quivered as if about to cease its action her knees struck against one another a shiver ran through her frame the perspiration started on her brow her eyes wide open were fascinated like the birds before the snake she raised her hand to her breast made upon it the sign of life and the spell was broken she fled in an instant still unnoticed and had hardly stepped noiselessly behind a curtain that closed the stairs when fulvius with downcast eyes reached the spot on which she had stood he started back a step as if scared by something lying before it he trembled violently but recovering himself by a sudden effort he looked around him and saw that he was alone there was no eye upon him except one which he did not heed but which read his evil heart in that hour he gazed again upon the object and stooped to pick it up but drew back his hand and that more than once at last he heard footsteps approaching he recognized the martial tread of sebastian and hastily he snatched up from the ground the rich scarf which had dropped from Sarah's arm. He shook as he folded it up, and when to his horror he found upon it spots of fresh blood, which had oozed through the bandages, he reeled like a drunken man to the door and rushed to his lodgings. Pale, sick, and staggering, he went into his chamber, 
repulsing roughly the officious advances of his slaves and only beckoned to his faithful domestic to follow him and then signed to him to bar the door a lamp was burning brightly by the table on which fulvius threw the embroidered scarf in silence and pointed to the stains of blood that dark man said nothing but his swarthy countenance was blanched while his master's was ashy and livid it is the same no doubt at length spoke the attendant in their foreign tongue but she is certainly dead are thou quite sure eratus asked the master with the keenest of his hawk's looks as sure as man can be of what he has not seen himself where didst thou find this and whence this blood i will tell thee all to-morrow i am too sick to-night as to those stains which were liquid when i found it i know not whence they came unless they are warnings of vengeance nay a vengeance himself deep as the furies can meditate fierce as they could launch that blood has not been shed now tut tut this is no time for dreams or fancies did any one see thee pick the the thing up no one i am sure then we are safe better in our hands than in others a good night's rest will give us better counsel true eurotus but do thou sleep this night in my chamber both threw themselves on their couches fulvius on the rich bed eurotus on a lowly pallet from which raised upon his elbow with dark but earnest eye he long watched by the lamp's light the troubled slumbers of the youth at once his devoted guardian and his evil genius fulvius tossed about and moaned in his sleep for his dreams were gloomy and heavy first he sees before him a beautiful city in a distant land with a river of crystal brightness flowing through it upon it is a galley weighing anchor with a figure on deck waving towards him in farewell an embroidered scarf the scene changes the ship is in the midst of the sea battling with a furious storm while on the summit of the mast the same scarf streams out like a pennant unruffled and uncrumbled by the breeze the vessel is now dashed upon a rock and all with a dreadful shriek are buried in the deep but the top mast stands above the billows with its calm and brilliant flag till amidst the sea-birds that shriek around a form with a torch in her hand and black flapping wings flies by snatches it from the staff and with a look of stern anger displays it as in her flight she pauses before him he reads upon it written in fiery letters nemesis but it is time to return to our other acquaintances in the house of fabius after Syra had heard the door close on fulvius she paused to compose herself offered up a secret prayer and returned to her blind friend she had finished her frugal meal and was waiting patiently the slave's return Sarah then commenced her daily duties of kindness and hospitality she brought water washed her hands and feet in obedience to christian practice and combed and dressed her hair as if the poor creature had been her own child indeed though not much older her look was so tender as she hung over her poor friend her tones were so soft her whole action so motherly that one would have thought it was a parent ministering to her daughter rather than a slave serving a beggar and this beggar too looked so happy spoke so cheerily and said such beautiful things that syra lingered over her work to listen to her and gaze on her it was at this moment that agnes came for her appointed interview and fabiola insisted on accompanying her to the door but when agnes softly raised the curtain and caught a sight of the scene before her she beckoned to fabiola to look in enjoining silence by her gesture the blind girl was opposite and her voluntary servant on one side 
unconscious of witnesses the heart of fabiola was touched and she had never imagined that there was such a thing as disinterested love on earth between strangers as to charity it was a word unknown to greece or rome she retreated quietly with a tear in her eye and said to agnes as she took leave i must retire that girl as you know proved to me this afternoon that a slave may have a head she has now shown me that she may have a heart i was amazed when a few hours ago you asked me if i did not love a slave i think now i could almost love sarah i have forget that i have agreed to part with her as she went back into the court agnes entered the room and laughing said so cecilia i have found out your secret at last this is the friend whose food you have always said was so much better than mine that you would never eat in my house well if the dinner is not better at any rate i agree that you have fallen in with a better hostess oh don't say so sweet lady agnes answered the blind girl it is the dinner indeed that is better you have plenty of opportunities for exercising charity but a poor slave can only do so by finding someone still poorer and helpless like me that thought makes her food by far the sweetest well you are right said agnes and i am not sorry to have you present to hear the good news i bring to sirrah it will make you happy too fabiola has allowed me to become your mistress sirrah and to take you with me to-morrow you shall be free and a dear sister to me cecilia clapped her hands with joy and throwing her arms round sirrah's neck exclaimed oh how good how happy you will now be dear sirrah but sirrah was deeply troubled and replied with faltering voice oh good and gentle lady you have been kind indeed to think so much about one like me but pardon me if i entreat you to remain as i am i assure you dear cecilia i am quite happy here but why wish to stay asked agnes because rejoined sirrah it is most perfect to abide with god in the state wherein we have been called i own this is not the one in which i was born i have been brought to it by others a burst of tears interrupted her for a moment and then she went on but so much the more clear is it to me that god has willed me to serve him in this condition how can i wish to leave it well then said agnes still more eagerly we can easily manage it i will not free you and you shall be my bondwoman that will be just the same no no said sarah smiling that will never do our great apostle's instructions to us are servants be subject to your masters with all fear not only to the good and gentle but also to the froward i am far from saying that my mistress is one of these but you noble lady agnes are too good and gentle for me where would be my cross if i lived with you you do not know how proud and how strong i am by nature and i should fear for myself if i had not some pain and humiliation agnes was almost overcome but she was more eager than ever to possess such a treasure of virtue and said i see sirrah that no motive addressed to your own interest can move you i must therefore use a more selfish plea i want to have you with me that i may improve by your advice and example come you will not refuse such a request selfish replied the slave you can never be and therefore i will appeal to yourself from your request you know fabiola and you love her what a noble soul and what a splendid intellect she possesses 
what great qualities and high accomplishments if they only reflected the light of truth and how jealously does she guard in herself that pearl of virtues which only we know how to prize what a truly great christian she would make go on for god's sake dear sirrah broke out agnes all eagerness and do you hope for it it is my prayer day and night it is my chief thought and aim it is the occupation of my life i will try to win her by patience by assiduity even by such unusual discussions as we have held to-day and when all is exhausted i have one resource more what is that both asked to give my life for her conversion i know that a poor slave like me has few chances of martyrdom still a fiercer persecution is said to be approaching and perhaps it will not disdain such humble victims but be that as god pleases my life for her soul is placed in his hands and oh dearest best of ladies she exclaimed falling on her knees and bedewing agnes's hand with tears do not come in thus between me and my prize you have conquered sister Sira. oh never again call me lady said agnes remain at your post such single-hearted generous virtue must triumph it is too sublime for so homely a sphere as my household and i for my part subjoined cecilia with a look of arch gravity say that she has said one very wicked thing and told a great story this evening what is that my pet asked sarah laughing why you said that i was wiser and better than you because i declined eating some trumpery delicacy which would have gratified my palate for a few minutes at the expense of an act of greediness will you have given up liberty happiness the free exercise of your religion and have offered to give up life itself for the salvation of one who is your tyrant and tormentor oh fie how could you tell me such a thing the servant now announced that agnes's litter was waiting at the door and any one who could have seen the affectionate farewell of the three the noble lady the slave and the beggar would have justly exclaimed as people had often done before see how these christians love one another End of section seven